Classic Car Guys show, where we're dressing salesmen for success. I'm Eric, and Mike's with me today, and today we're talking about the hot pursuit of follow-up. Yeah, Eric, the salesmen go a lot of places to try to get deals. We talk, you know, in the class about, you know, the the two hours a day of shameless self-promotion. And I don't want them to ignore the probably the fastest, best place to get a car deal. And that is the guy who came to the store either today or yesterday, went all the way to numbers with you, and then left the store without buying. So it's just that's the hottest customer you got. Yeah, he's in the market like right now. He's not he's not waiting. He's wanting to do something today. Let's say a salesman goes out and on an average month, counting everybody again, he gets forty five to fifty five customers a month, basically on the door swing. Then he turns around and he sells 10 to 15 cars. That means he's got 30 to 45 people this month that left the store without buying a car. Now, they didn't come in and ask for a cheeseburger or they didn't come in and ask for the restroom. I try to buy a bus pass. Yeah, I'll buy a bus pass. Yeah, because <laughs> we might have. We'll throw that in. But the uh, it's one of those things where the uh, they're here because they spent probably thirty hours on the internet. Right. They probably know more about the car or as much about the car as you do, and they know you have it in stock. And so they came in, went all the way to numbers with you, and left without buying a car. This guy is what I call a hot. Right. Uh, somebody that needs big-time pursuit. Yeah. And I, and I think um, most of the time when you think about why a lot of percentage of salespeople do not follow up with the customer is – they just don't know how or they felt like they've got rejected in some way. And so they feel like yeah. there's nothing they can do at this point. And so I'm I'm talking today because I'm trying to encourage some people, you know, one is, is we have to define a timeline when when that customer leaves. How soon should we follow up with this customer? You know, is, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes is, is the next day. When's the proper time yeah. to start working this follow up pursuit? Well, if it's 20 to 30 minutes, I think the guy should still be on his third T.O. Right. right. Well, you know, <laughs> he should still be in the store. <laughs> I, I always challenge that because, you know, Mike, sometimes the salesman don't give you the T.O. as a manager. And sometimes the salesman just think, well, the customer says, hey, I got to go down here. I got to pick up my wife. I got to pick up my kid. I'll be right back. And then the guy never comes back. You know, yeah. that comes the, from the experience, the feedback dust, yeah. all that fun stuff. And and so sometimes the customer gets away and exits the dealership without us even kind of getting a shot at a TO. So as far as the salesman side or the manager side of that, you know, 20 to 30 minutes for me, why I, I have I follow up with 20 to 30 minutes after the customer leaves, because one thing I got to figure out sometimes as a salesperson is when that customer leaves, my mind goes to, am I on the wrong car? Because if I was on the right car, this guy wouldn't have been leaving it with me today. So I think my follow-up pursuit kind of was a little different because I was trying to figure out, you know, was I on the wrong car or was it really the trade value? Was it really that I was $500 short on the trade? Was it really that the price was $1,000 higher than what he wanted to? Or was it really the payment side? So for me, I think my pursuit was a little different. Or Eric, you know, the customer, Jay, may just want to get away from you and decompress you know, and just kind of maul this over in his mind. I, that's where I think the TO is very, very handy. Now, when you go into what I call hot pursuits, there's basically going to be three kinds of customers that come into the store that leave without buying, and we call them hot, milds, and colds. Hot's going to buy a car very soon, mild, maybe just, uh, you know, a week or two away. Right. Uh, cold is probably just starting the process. 
when I set up my CRM at the store, we set it up because you had to somehow digitize this or do analytics on this because you couldn't trust a salesman to do it. But we had it set up where if a guy came in, went all the way to numbers and left without buying and could buy that he was a hot. Right. If a guy came in, went to a demo drive, didn't go to numbers, he was a mild. If a guy came in and didn't even go for a demo drive, he was a cold. So we, at our store, we generated hot list every day by salesman, by team, and every manager had a total store hot list on them. Uh, and we were after that guy. I mean, pursuit big time. Right. Now, going back to your story, I think that there's, when you start doing hot pursuit, and you just can't call the customer up and say, hey, have you thought about it yet? Hey, have you thought about it yet? If you're doing that, he's going to shut you down. He's going to say, hey, man, don't call me anymore. I'll call you when I'm ready. And that's probably what makes an indelible impression on salesmen to the point that they have to be careful not to be a salesman and they don't know how. The trick, I think, is, is you got to tell the customer something new every time you call. Now, think about this. If I have to tell the customer something new every time I call, odds are if I do get him back in the store, what's going to happen? I am going to have to compensate somewhere to follow through on why I got him back in the store. It's probably going to cost me some gross, which, again, is why I'm going to advocate that if you think that you need to call a customer back at 30 minutes, put him on the third T.O. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let him out of the store. Mine was just a test. Like, I mean, I really called him back just to see if I was on the wrong car. As an example, I'll kind of give you an example for me. If I call a customer back, and let's say the, uh, the guy was $1,000 away on his trade, and I called the guy back and said, hey, listen, man, after you left, I started working with my used car manager, trying to figure out if he can make some phone calls, see if somebody else would be interested in buying your car for a little bit more money, trying to figure it out. They ask him some questions about it. You know, he now thinks he's missed something. Would you be able to come back and turn around and let me revisit your car and see if I can get you the extra money? If the customer said, sure, I knew right then and there that it truly was that ACV. But if they said, nah, that's okay, it made me start to think, okay, I'm probably on the wrong car because this guy's walking away from a great deal. I've had my second TO, you know, I've talked to the guy, I've done, I've done my third pencil, you know, and so now I'm th- I'm in a whole different shift of follow-up, you know. Hey, what was it about the vehicle you didn't like? Is it because it was an SUV and maybe you're going after a sedan now? So it kind of gave me a new direction on how to take the deal. Sometimes we put a customer in a position where we never let them back in the deal. So they can't say yes to us. So that's a way that you can figure out, you know, on your follow-up pursuit. So that's kind of the concept of where your timing is. And I I think you're right when it comes to follow-up. When you identify the three types, the hot pursuit, the mild pursuit, and the cold pursuit, you're definitely going to take different types of follow-up procedures to them. Eric, I would imagine that most salesmen, at least in my case when I sold cars, there were only probably two or three times a year where I had time to work the milds and the colds. Usually my hot list was 10, 15 people at any one time. And the way I did it when I sold cars was, as I had just back then, we didn't have CRMs. I just had a legal pad. Yeah. And every day I'd update my hots, cross off the ones I'd lost, cross off the ones I sold and add the new hots from the day. And then I'd carry that in my breast coat pocket every day so I could pull out at any time and hop on a phone real quick to get them back in. 
when I sold cars, Eric, let's say I go back into the seventies, a, a, a tripped out memory. <laughs> you mean and they, nice yeah, I, I don't know why people, people are going to think I'm stuck there, but we, we had a great time. We had, we were coming out of the oil embargo of 74, 75, and the banks had just gone to 48 month financing. Now this man, I could take a guy out of his year, two year old car, put him in a brand new car at a damn good gross and give him the same payment he had before. So we were busier than hell. And the uh, so what I would do is every night we close the store at 8. And I would have two or three people or one or two people that I hit that day that got out of the store without buying a car. And I used to grab a plate and those two sets of keys because once I locked the door, I couldn't get back in and go to their house. Right. Knock on their door and close the car deal on their kitchen table. We called them go-sees. They, uh, it always amazed me, by the way, Eric, you know, you get this gruffy farmer in there, you know, he's never had a good year in the last 20, so he can't pay any profit, you know, and of course he's going to negotiate for everything, but you get to his house and all of a sudden his wife's serving you lemonade, you know, and you're, and, and the onus of being polite is on them. And all of a sudden it was like a marshmallow close, you know, it was the easiest close going. If I had time, by the way, I'd go back to the store, get the other car and head out again. Right. But, you know, it was back then it was just competitive. They were going to four or five stores and you just had to get on them now. Now, when I managed the store, uh, what we would do is we had the hot list and we had the work plans for every salesman and we'd follow that hot list. Where are you at? At 11. Where are you at? At two. At two, we were taking TO phone calls as managers. We were calling the customer up as a sales manager to see if we could get them back in. Yeah. And by three or four o'clock, man, we were sending the salesman out on go sees, go find them. And they, uh, now I don't, not sure I can advocate that today, but if you feel good about your customer or anything else, maybe you can even call them and offer to bring the car by the house. But the go sees sold us a lot of cars, a lot of cars. I remember one time I was down at Atlanta, the, uh, and I was at a Chevy store and I had this old lady come in. I, I don't know. She's probably in her late seventies. And she was nice and sweet, but she was tough. You know, that generation, you right. know, she, you know, came out of the Depression and World War II. And took, a, took a wooden nickel and made 20 yeah, bucks out of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. she was kind of girl. She was kind of what if she didn't like my price, she was going to grab my ear and smack me, you know. But the uh, she had left the store and without buying a car, and I knew she was going to. And she went to, back then, it was called Key Royal Oldsmobile. Great group. A guy named Williamson started it. He had more than one store when you couldn't have more than one store. Great training, too. But uh, I knew they did go sees. And she went over there and looked at an Oldsmobile 88 compared to my Caprice. So I knew I had to go to her house. I knew I had to go see her because I knew they were. Right. So I'm heading out to her house, and I pull up to her driveway, and by God, there it is, a brand-new Oldsmobile 88 in her driveway. So Key Royal was already there. But hell no. I went up, knocked on her door. She was never so happy to see anybody. I mean, this she had more company than she probably had in the last year. But I walk in and there's the Oldsmobile salesman and his manager and now me. <laughs> and uh, and we're all sitting there. there. It's very awkward. But we knew whoever left first was going to lose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we ended up working it out where they left first and I sold the car. But, the, you know, you said it last week. It was just about, at this point in time, it was just about winning. That was me. I just couldn't ha- let them have that deal. Yeah, I wanted to win every time. I did not want to lose. And I worked on dealership rows, so I would literally watch my customers 
pull out of my dealership and turn into another dealership right after they told me they were going to go home and think about it and I would see them on the other lot. I couldn't tell you how many times my personality wanted to jump across the creek and walk up the hill there at the Chevy dealership and start talking to the customer over there and trying to pull him back over to my lot. I did it once and uh, got in big trouble. Got in big trouble. Eric, there was a guy, there was a story uh, about a guy who, uh, a dealer, and he had a freezer by the door, a, a deep freezer. And his thing was, is that, you know, he gave you on your way out the door without buying a car, he gave you a quart of ice cream or a half a gallon of ice cream. Right. Knowing then that you had to go home and you couldn't go to another store. Right. <laughs> that was the way you can get it. You had a, 30 minutes, 40 minutes to call yeah, the guy back right. before yeah. he went to another right. dealership. And bought your time. And, and see, I told you, that 30-minute time frame, everybody that's uh, that wants to win, they got to win right now. Yeah. You know, it's that pursuit. You know, I think... A lot of times you have to determine in your in your own head as a salesperson, I'm going to be determined. I think if you just say, no matter what, after that customer leaves, I've got to touch them. You know what I mean? I've got to go out there. I've got to follow up, whether it's a go-see, whether I'm going to call. You know, could you imagine some of the technology right now? You know, think oh, about yeah. the technology that we have, Mike, right now that we could use uh, to do follow-up. You know, not only do we have phones, and obviously, you know, you're going to be cautious when you follow up with a phone call now because they can block you just like that instantly your customer can block you so if you're harassing like you made earlier uh, just think about it just think about it just think about it all the customer's going to do is block your number and you're not going to hear from them again you right. know uh you know texting you know sometimes a customer you know that text you know giving them a different option giving them a different car perhaps maybe to look at something new or maybe bring some more information to the table you know being a little bit more informational uh on that pursuit Sometimes, you know, you talk about management follow-up, you know, a manager uh, could do a thank you email and maybe, uh, which can we talk to you uh, one more time, you know, like I, a, a manager touch. Uh, Eric, the videos, uh, FaceTime now. So I mean, you got so much. I think that the big thing about uh, get contacting a customer again is you have to tell them something new every time you call. But, you know, sometimes it can just be, hey, man, I got some good news for you. Can you get back down here? Sure. Yeah, uh, I, I, had, I had a manager do that to me when I was about 17, 18. He goes, Mahoney, just go call him and tell him we got good news for him. And I said, well, what is it? And he goes, God damn it, just go tell him we got good news. <laughs> so the uh, I called the customer. But I said, hey, man, my manager just asked me to call you and tell you we have good news for you. And he goes, what is it? And I said, I have no idea. But I just think he got good news. <laughs> and they came in, Eric. They came in. <laughs> just out of curiosity, now, they came in. Did you use that every time when you follow no, that? No, it? no, See, no. I was what works doesn't yeah. have to go back. <laughs> Never use what but works that, to get the guy back that in, had right? More to do with right. me than yeah. the customer. I understand. I understand. So, you know, it's always that thing. When something works, please, let's not do it again. We don't want to win, you know, that mentality. So I think that's uh, – I think that's a it's a one of those things we're talking about. Always calling back with something new is, well, is Eric, important. You, know, you got you know? tons of stuff now. I mean, you've got the uh, you've got the you mentioned it before the reappraise the car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, and right now, Eric, uh, I would imagine every dealer could use a good trade. Sure. Uh, that maybe we, if it's a good car, we do want to reappraise that. We've had what 40, 42 million used cars sold against 17, 17 and a half million new cars. I can't imagine we're generating enough trades. Yeah. You know, it may be come to the point soon where we're just going to have to ask the manufacturer to start making used cars. They sell better. And a matter of fact, 
if a guy comes in and he's got, what, the 30, 40,000 mile car, I imagine most dealers will step all over it. Then you've got all these incentives and promotions that go on now from the factory where, you know, hey, you know, you got some new way of skinning this deal that we can get together with you. Boom, boom, boom. If you got a half an hour to head down here, I'd appreciate it. My, my pursuit, Mike, when I've been my experience has been I was on the wrong car. You know, a customer was coming in, and especially when you when you know from the beginning now, as a, as the internet has evolved to this, customer walk in and says, "Hey, I want to see this X Y Z car," and all of a sudden, I don't have that particular car, but I got one similar to it. We go out there, we do our very best, but that one feature that it doesn't have is exactly what they want. So, what do they do? They leave, hoping they can find that car somewhere else. And so our pursuit is we're on the wrong car. You so know? when you call them back, call, what do you tell them? Call them back and say, hey, listen, I'm going to get the car. i got great news. i got an option for you. I can get the car that you're wanting. Uh, what I need you to do is come back in. Let's finalize everything. Let's make sure this is the right one. It has all the features that you are. Let's lock it down so I can go get it. And that's something new, you know. I mean, right. I, I can tell you, you're talking about some funny stories about, hey, the, guy, the manager said, hey, call the customer back and tell them I got good news. I told a guy it was brand new. He was my desk partner. It was my first time ever being a mentor on the floor they gave me a sales guy to train and so i was kind of a lone wolf man i, I and i was like man i don't want this mentor but they told me they'd give me a hundred bucks for every car he sold so i went out there and told him hey you go fish bring him in and i'll close the deal you know and so when we were learning about pro- follow-up and i was telling him to, go, to call the guy back i said hey why don't you do me a favor why don't you call those three customers he talked to you today and tell them and my manager <laughs> asked me to call you back and ask for it and beg him for one more shot at selling him a car and he looked at me and was like what and i was like just call the customer back and say hey i'm sorry that i suck at selling cars i'm brand new would you give me one more shot at selling yeah and he called back and two out of the three people by just using that stupid line came yeah. back in and gave the guy another shot and so i think it's the pursuit maybe sometimes they just want the chase the customer wants to i couldn't tell you how many times uh i've talked to com- customers that's come back from the sales guy and say hey why did you come back and they say your salesman was the only one that followed up yeah you know the only one that followed up and i had a girl that matter of fact i was working for you at the time out there in wanamaker and uh the little the the blonde haired girl that worked for us i can't think of her name right now uh she kept calling this lady back every day with a different car and the lady finally came back in it was like four weeks later and i said like, hey you're finally back she goes yeah she said so and so called me back every day with a different car and she's like she was the only one that followed up with me every week or every other day she's like i had to buy from her no matter what and you finally got the right car i wanted obligation yeah obligation it was four weeks later and it all came down to being on the right car so i think salesmen need to to kind of figure that out and that'll kind of change the direction on how they follow up yeah uh, if i'm on the right car or it really is is those objections or what is that one thing that's stopping the customer from buying the car? Well, you, you mentioned it earlier, Eric, about, you know, there probably are more hot customers now as a percentage of the total than there were before. So I would imagine that the average guy at any one point in time can have 10 or 15 people on this list. You know, for because the guy's a hot customer, he's designated he's going to buy a car in the next probably day or two. That if you're not getting anywhere on that first or second attempt to touch, uh, T.O. it to your manager. A lot of times salesmen get stuck on uh, not knowing what to say. I would advocate get your hot list, sit down with your manager in the morning and rehash them. Mm -hmm. Let him give you some ideas of things you can possibly say to this customer without getting in trouble or getting the store in trouble to get this guy back in. If you've done that once or twice and can't get anywhere Ask the manager to call them. A lot of times they'll respond to a sales manager saying the same thing you just said and get the guy back in. 
don't just roll over and let this guy buy a car somewhere else. Right. The other thing about it is, is when you do call him back, if you call him back more than once, you have to tell him something new every time you call. Absolutely. If you rehash on the, I just want to, have you thought about it yet? Have you talked to your wife yet? Have you know, boom, boom. Have you been shopping yet? They're going to shut you down. But Eric, I want to talk to you about the technology. Um, sure. Uh, you know, we didn't have email, texting, uh, uh, what do you call it? Facebook, or all that stuff. Uh, you know, Zoom calls now. Yeah, we had to bang the phone. Matter of fact, we, we hated it when they answering machines came out. Mm-hmm. You know, now all of a sudden you had to learn how to do compelling voicemail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the follow-up, I got to go get my wife. Can we Zoom call her real quick and make her a part of this transaction right now? So, you know. I got to go talk to my wife. Let's FaceTime her. Let's see if we can get her to take that objection away right yeah. now. You know, those are some of the things that we can bring to the table. But, yeah, there is a lot of technology that I think we can use. I mean, I saw uh, a couple of months ago that part of a CRM program allows you to do all of the follow-up through there. So you can push your texting. You can push your emailing, your phone calls. With your phone you, number? With when, Yeah. So I don't know if it I, – I didn't – I didn't go that far into it. I don't know if you can uh, make the phone calls and it pulls up your number, if it pulls up like it has like a, a, a launch number that you yeah. use out of your CRM program. But I like the fact that it kept a history log. Yes. Of all of your follow-up, you know, that'll kind of give you an idea when you go back in. You were talking about having a save-a-deal meeting. We used to have those save-a-deal meetings every morning, and we would sit down and back those uh, save-a-deal meetings, you know, and trying to figure out other ways, and we would bounce that off of each other. And, you know, we had I had all of our transactions that we had done in the last couple of days, and then another sales guy was like, man, did you talk about this or about this car, about this car? And we would all get these ideas together. So maybe you can buddy up with a few guys, or yeah. if their managers don't have time to do save a deal meetings and things of that nature, just kind of bounce a few things off of a few people. You know, sometimes another salesman can hear something that you missed you know, but by you replaying, we used to role play almost every transaction with each other. I said this and the customer said this. And then, you know, one of us would be like, well, man, you should have said this. Like, dang, that would have taken us down a whole nother line. And that's kind of how we taught. Well, good how point. To, you know, that's kind of how we taught each other how to kind of follow up better, what to use. And it actually made our sales process a little bit tighter, uh, I, you know. I guess a good point. I mean, for, just for a guy who's getting ready to do a hot pursuit phone call, don't just hop on the phone. Mm-hmm. You better have some thoughts in mind of, of things you're going to say to this customer sure. in order to entice them back into the store. And that's the other thing I want to caution guys on. You, you're not going to sell the car over the phone. Nothing about this has to be uh, detailed. What you're basically doing is perception. You know, give the customer a perception that something can go on worth his while to compel him to make an appointment to come back in the store. Don't nail yourself down. Right. And don't use the old, uh, what, uh, the, the thing that got everybody in trouble with the old, if I could, would you? Yeah. You know, and if the, I could, uh, would you come here? Yeah. The, uh, that'll get you in a lot of trouble. So the, plan your phone call. And a matter of fact, uh, you sit down with the manager, you get some rehash ideas. Even after that, you might want to sit down and kind of plan out how you're going to lay this out to the customer on the phone. Yeah. And, and I think that it comes down to a lot of times when a customer's making those decisions on whether to, say yes or no, it comes down to one or two features that sometimes it separates that one car that they really want. And they know it's not going to be that much difference for that uh, extra features. And so that's why I say as a salesman, make sure without a doubt when you're following up that you are not on 
the wrong car. If you are on the wrong car, your pursuit well, Eric, switches differently. I, I, I just don't get that one. I mean, so if I'm on the wrong car, why wouldn't I ask the customer in my pity clothes on the way out the door? Are you on the wrong car? Sometimes we get blinders on. Sometimes the salesman thinks we're on the right car. Sometimes the, the customer comes in and asks for that car specifically. Yeah. You know, I can tell you a story where a guy came in and asked me for a black GMC Sierra one time with the lift kit on it. I show him the car and the guy's walking on me for a thousand bucks. Matter of fact, he's financing the car. So I'm 20 bucks away. I'm mad. My managers talk to him. I'm mad. You know, I've talked to him. Everybody's talked to him. My finance managers talk to him. I mean, we've had everything go down. I'm 20 bucks away and I'm getting ready to have a redhead moment. I mean, I'm seriously, like, livid right now. Bell tower and with a rifle. I'm talking about, I was mad. <laughs> I looked at the customer and said, hey, listen, man, I don't want you to lose this truck over 20 bucks. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you just come up those months that you can't make the extra 20 bucks a month, and I'll just give you the 20 bucks, man, so you can have the right truck today. The guy goes, no, that's okay, and he leaves. I remember telling my manager, I said, hey, listen, man, I'm going to have to go home for a couple hours because I'm getting ready to have a redhead moment. So when I'm parking the truck back, I notice we have a charcoal gray one. Now, this guy came in and specifically asked me for this. I go and look at the charcoal gray one. Charcoal gray one has every one of the same features as the black one does, but the destination charges is a little bit less than the black one. So it's more in the price range of where this guy's at. So I call the guy back up, and it's probably 15, 20 minutes later, and I call the guy back up and said, hey, listen, man, I know you came in here on this black one, but I said, when I was parking the black one, I noticed we had a charcoal gray one, and the charcoal gray one has all the same options. The destination charges a little bit closer to where you want to be price-wise. I didn't even tell him what the actual price was. It's going to be closer to what you wanted to be, and this is what the guy said to me, Mike. Wait, you have a charcoal gray one? I was like, yeah, and he goes, well, man, I'm on my way to Evansville right now. He says, I was online, and I didn't even know you guys had that. He says, that was my that was my original color I wanted. I just wanted to come in and see if I could live with the black one. So he, and he asked you for black. And he asked me for black. So, wow. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, this guy was leaving over 20 bucks with me, and he specifically asked for the black one. So here I thought I was on the right car. I did everything I possibly could. I had the TOs, everything. Come to find out, it was the color. I was mad. And so guy came back in, turned around, bought the truck from me. But anyway, that's why I say sometimes we have no idea we could be on the wrong car and we're letting this guy walk away, whether our blinders are on, whether what we thought we were hearing was right. And you know how customers are. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, let me think about it. And they're trying to be as nice. They won't tell you the truth. You'll ask them, what is it stopping you? Well, and they don't want to tell you. So you kind of have to, you have to kind of know as a salesman, that's what professionals do. They identify the problem and then give the solution. And so I want to talk about one more thing too, Eric. The, uh, so, you know, now I see a lot of stores that it looks like to me, they don't trust the salesman to do the follow-up. So they have BDC departments now where they have people automatically doing these phone calls and not just for them, but also for the service department and stuff. Or I see managers or F&I managers, finance managers, basically doing the rehash and calling the customer back directly. Um, And I don't know about you, but when I sold cars, I mean, I didn't really want anybody else interfering with my deal. So if I had a customer leave that I considered hot, that uh, and I knew that just getting them back in myself was probably going to cost me some profit and commission, I wanted to control that. So I don't really understand why salesmen, and I imagine that the good ones, the 20 car guys, the 20 plus car guys are doing this themselves and for just prefer BDC not do it. And I'll bet you if you watch the 20 car guys, they come into the store in the morning and then they bang the phone for about 45 minutes and then they walk around and then they go back and bang the phone again for another half hour. But in the course of a day, I'll bet you they're banging the phone 
probably about what two two and a half hours a day trying to line up appointments this evening right get the people back in tonight and i think that's just a characteristic of anybody that's successful at this the pursuit of this to have somebody come in and meet you hopefully like you uh you already got just a little bit of obligation going is just to call back and leverage that and get the guy back in yeah that personality that i want to win you know and and realistically mike i think you're on this point i think that as a salesperson you're going to have the best shot at getting that customer back in because the obligation always is with you. You, you know, that's have why the they, relationship. Yeah, you have the relationship. They've got the obligation to that. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, you know, I've had salesmen that were very good salesmen, had very good customers that bought for them forever. I remember my number one salesman had very loyal customers and he was on vacation one time. And the customer comes in and I said, well, you know, he's not here right now. He's on vacation. Can I help you? And they said, nope, I'll wait for him. Yeah. I thought, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, uh, so, I mean, it's just that relationship is it's kind of like the salesman's job. You know, we need him to go out and have a relationship with this customer, become their guy in the car business to sell them all their cars. So that hopefully that they bring you, the grandkids, the neighbors, everything else, and that you can begin to build this asset of, of, of this compounding repeat referral business down the road where this job can get actually pretty easy around year five and six. Right. You know, with this repeat referral. Matter of fact, that uh, good salesman I was telling you about, we talk about once a month in the, uh, he's probably in his seventies now. And then I said, you know, how you do it, man? He goes, well, I'm not making the money I used to. And I said, well, you know, what are you making now? And he goes, oh, about 65 grand a year. And I said, well, how many hours a week are you working? He goes, 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, he's just leveraging right. Right. that database, database, you know, his yeah. asset. Yeah. Right. And it, this, this guy was always very good at that. You know, he was very good at relationships with his customers. And I think that's a big part, you know, burnt, turning those three and, and five-year turn and earns for that. And it all comes down to your follow-up pursuit. I mean, I really, Mike, I didn't even follow up. And you talk about hot, mild, and colds, you know. I would have customers, you know, we talk about owner follow-ups. You know, you follow up your sold customers like uh, the salesman was doing, leveraging that database. You know, I would miss customers sometimes. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I keep your information on there and follow up with you? So when the next time you're in the market, I yes. have a shot at it. And I would follow up with, with customers that I didn't sell, that I didn't, uh, that I knew lost to another, I would lost to another dealership. They would actually, I would see them in a new car and I, I would still follow up with those guys, you know. So I think yeah. there's all, uh, I, you know, I might have lost this time, but I was going to win the next time we played the game. And that was kind of the, that was my mindset. And well, so, you know, Eric, they're selling databases. Sure. I mean, they go, out you know, they're scraping everything off your phone your internet traffic everything else but you know let's say a salesman does 200 cars a year well i'm gonna say that counting everybody he saw four times that many people which means he saw 800 people yeah sold 200 cars he has 600 people who didn't buy a car right uh i'm gonna say out of the 600 people Probably what? 400 of them did buy a car. Right. You know, hopefully another 200 of them bought a car from him at some point. But the, uh, yeah, it, you know, just collect all this stuff and have this database. And if you lose them, okay, I understand. If not now, when? When's the next time up? Then they, uh, and put him in the database to hit him up again. But let's say you did this for 10 years and you've got 8,000 people in this database now. And let's say something unpredictable happened to the economy, something out of your control where you, uh, uh, the door swing's going to be bad. 
Could you jump into an 8,000-person database and carve out a living this year? Probably. I would think that'd be pretty easy. Yeah. Especially when they already know you in some form or some fashion. So I think that would be enough. Well, you know, when we sell, we say you're selling three things. You're selling yourself, the car, the dealership. So you, your charisma, your personality, you know, you've touched them. You've met them. They either liked you or they didn't. They'll probably let you know if they didn't. But the uh, don't don't waste the the no sale. Keep the guy. Now let's go again next time. Let's put him out for three years and hit him again. Eric, what do you what do you think? So let's say a guy uh, he gets I don't know. Let's say fifty customers this month, and he does fifteen. So mm-hmm. he's got thirty five people that left here without buying a car. And let's say out of the thirty five people, let's say twenty of them we consider hot. Mm-hmm. And he does his pursuit. What do you think that should be worth? I, I think it's at least worth three or four car deals. I think it's worth at least a thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month. I think it's at least fifteen, maybe twenty grand a year. Uh, in my you know, mind. Eric, I think that this is probably the number one thing that distinguishes a twenty car guy from a ten car guy. Absolutely. So I, I don't think a twenty car guy's got any more magic to go out and close a higher percentage of door swings. I think the difference is the 20 car guy is damn good at pursuit. Yeah. So he's bringing the guy back in. And I'm going to say in studying the numbers for decades that he can expect to close and deliver half of the ones that show up. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my goal was, is every week I was going to bat 300 plus, you know, and that was my three out of 10 selling the three out of 10. Right. And I took those sevens that I missed and I'd followed up. I had some kind of a pursuit on those seven. And typically out of those seven, I was going to get one to three of those back in and I was going to sell an extra car. And that turned your months in from 10 to 12 cars to 16 to 20 cars. And that's really working off of the, the door swings, you know? And so you want to, you want to get off that door swing, you know, you're going to start pursuing other people and you're prospecting and things of that nature, or, or when the months go up and the door swinging higher, you know, you're going to have a different pursuit, you know, but having that mentality that I'm going to pursue everybody really changes that. I think you're right when that's what, that's the difference between a 20 car guy and a guy selling 10, 12 right. cars. Well, and probably the underlying attitude is, is that the 20 car guy wants to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, that probably, I did not want the salesman down the street to get the benefit of my work. Yeah. If I sold value and he sells price, you know, that's all he's got. Right. And and so I got to protect myself. So I'm going to pursue. I just wanted to try to sell every car. Right, right. Every car. <laughs> now, if the customer didn't buy a car, I was okay with that. If he did buy a car somewhere else, you know, I, I had a redhead moment and I'm not a redhead. <laughs> but it's just one of the, and I was just a little bit I want to touch, Eric. I left the miles and the colds alone. Now, if a couple times a year, let's say it slows down, and every year around Thanksgiving, I get some phone calls from some guys, Mike, got any ideas? It's been kind of slow. And it's kind of like a little bit too late at that point in time. But get in your get in your database of the people that came into the store that didn't buy a car from you. Uh, um, a cold would be a guy that came into the store, didn't go for a demo drive, so you might want to call him up and just see if you can entice him to come in and go for a drive. Take a demo drive. A mile would be somebody that came in, went for a demo drive, and didn't go to numbers. You might want to call them up and see if you can entice them to come in, go for another demo drive, and let's talk about the numbers. We have some different specials for you to look at. And just see if you can make appointments with them to get them in. And now this is after, I'm assuming, you've worked your heart hot list to completion. Today's podcast, Pursuit, Hot Pursuit. Go after those customers. Don't follow up. Hopefully, we're dressing you up for success. We thanks for tuning in to the Classic Car Guys show here with Mike and Eric. So tune in to next week's podcast here on Tuesday.